I brought you a gift. It's true. He has. Who are you? I am the gift. It's a pleasure to meet you, Your Grace. My name is Tyrion Lannister. quiet in here it is <laughs> hello everyone listening at home this is game of bones and we are the gift we are or as uh, kenny nelson pointed out on twitter she said my own goes to Tyrion for truly being the gift that keeps on giving hashtag <laughs> christmas time for khaleesi this was a, a major moment we did get to talk about it really on the episode following the airing of episode seven but we wanted to give it its due, and I think that's exactly what we're going to do on this episode. Today's episode is a special treat, depending on what sort of treats are your preferred flavor. Micah and I are at the microphones. This is a duo conversation. Yeah. It's like a debate, kind of. <laughs> Just a back and forth. How do we feel about the state of Game of Thrones as we're filling in the pieces from Sunday's episode? It's going to be hard without Eric here because he usually fills a lot of the gaps. He has plenty to say. That is very true. Yes, but he had a uh, work commitment that uh, required his attention. So it's just going to be myself and Zach today. And we're going to do our best to uh, touch on all the points that uh, we didn't get a chance to earlier in the week. Talk some about Tyrion and Daenerys and Jorah. And then, of course, Winterfell and Sansa, Theon and Ramsay. Everything in between. A, a little bit of ghost. We're going to give it our best shot. So enjoy. This is just going to be really a recording of two friends talking to each other. What else are podcasts for? We had two major characters, right? For the first time ever come in contact with each other. And I remember you saying that you just took this collective breath. You had to compose yourself because these are two of the biggest characters in the series and now they are in the exact same place within feet of each other and it's pretty awesome all roads have led here and i'd like to point out that it was a very uh, it's, it's it's difficult to describe it wasn't a grand meeting between these two characters that are so important to us it was it was so fittingly simple it was just Tyrion walking across the dirt and a lower pit and her sitting there i know that when we saw Jorah and hers moment of reintroduction to one another, it felt a little bit more heavy just because of how it was captured. But when Tyrion was there, there was less dramatic music and it was more of just a, a hello. And we're meant to, we're meant to feel that inside of us because the, 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 the creators behind what is going on on the camera completely understand that if you watched any Game of Thrones up until this point, the fact that this man and this lady are meeting is a very huge deal inside of you, and the feelings will begin to pour out of your soul. It needs nothing <laughs> on else. On Twitter, Jared Kozal, I think, summed it up really well. He said, Tyrion owned years of audience anticipation mm -hmm. when he announced himself to Daenerys. That moment, however brief, was everything. I never went into the series hoping for these two to meet each other specifically. I figured that eventually Daenerys would make it to Westeros. I didn't know that she would be hung up in the way she has been hung up with all of these kingdoms. 
and all of this leading in the East when we first began the series, but it obviously it makes lots of technical sense and it builds up who she is and it structures her character in a way that can enter whatever the future is for her and Westeros. But now that Tyrion is with her, it's just, I did not expect this to happen, but I'm excited. I don't know what it's going to lead into. HBO sent a round of promotional photos that depicts Tyrion standing in the throne room of a Marine. Not quite King's Landing, but it'll do. I think as Jared pointed out, it's it's been five years. And you look at the taking it from a book reader's perspective, we're not at that point yet. We know that Jorah and Tyrion are in Marine, but they certainly have yet to come in contact with Daenerys, at least in the way that we see it transpire uh, in this episode. And to have that moment where you have two of the most pivotal characters in the series, two of the most likable characters in the series, yeah. even if Daenerys at times can get on people's nerves, uh, Tyrion, I'm sure, can do the same. But if you really think through the major characters in the series, you know, if you had to give a top five, you'd throw Jon in there, you'd probably throw Arya in there, and Tyrion has come in contact with all of them for the most part. And this is the one, though, because now you have a Lannister and a Targaryen face-to-face with each other. I'm sure she knows about what Tyrion has done and just the name Lannister to have that presence in Marine, to have this person standing before her, right. a family that was responsible for unspeakable crimes uh, against her family is now standing there. And this idea that they could potentially pair up and head back to Westeros, if that's how Going this to ends up playing all. out. Yeah. yeah I mean, We've we've spent so much time with Danny now in the East, we ever wonder if she's going to make it back West. But right. you think somebody like Tyrion would be of huge value to her, knowing what he knows, having ruled in King's Landing himself over the last couple of years, despising his sister, and, and knowing, or at least thinking for the time, that she's mm-hmm. in power over there. He's, he's a huge asset <laughs> to somebody like Daenerys. We don't fully understand this either. It was so great how the episode ended because... We didn't just end on that scene, which I think could have been very, very, very powerful to do. And so I question that, but I, I completely understand it. But we don't we don't know where this is going to lead. We don't know how she's going to react. We can guess that Tyrion's speaking abilities and just the person that he is, knowing that Daenerys has a pretty good eye for the kinds of people that folks truly are on the inside, I feel that they'll get along. It's difficult for me to say. What you were saying earlier... So you're telling me that you knew from the beginning of our podcast that Jorah and Tyrion would eventually be together in Marine? Yes. <sighs> See, am I good at keeping some secrets? I feel like I need to interview you. How has that felt over these holy, holy crap? Yeah, it's it's a lot oh to gosh. not even hint towards in any way, <laughs> and maybe I have unknowingly. No, 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 not at all. I th- I did not think that this storyline was in the books. You know, during our conversations uh, d- during this throughout this season, I just thought it was something that has been um, you know manufactured for the series, or or at least is maybe happening, but it wasn't these two people. And I guess that doesn't matter 
much at all because it's actually happening right now in the show and we all know about it. So that fact of it of it being in the, the book isn't that big of a surprise. What's a surprise to me is that we've been doing this podcast for 281 episodes now and you've known that Tyrion Lannister would eventually be hanging out with Jorah Mormont in Marine. <laughs> yeah. It, it's. Uh, I'm glad we have a one-on-one conversation for this because I feel like mm-hmm. I can really. There's get other down things the that I know as well that you're probably going to be even more shocked about Don't when the say end that. of the season arrives. <laughs> oh, the unsullied at home for book readers. Eutyrian and Jorah's storyline got sped up significantly, and there's been a huge uh, sub story, I guess you could call it, that has been omitted at least for the time being, and. Uh, we won't go into too much detail on that because I think that it's a bit unfair to the to the unsullied to talk about that in, until we know for sure what direction Tyrion and Jorah's storyline are going in and if the showrunners even decide to include it, it would be something that I think would raise a few eyebrows from, from fans out there and... Uh, we eventually will get there in the books. So I love that half of our audience right now are completely with you and nodding their heads, and the other half, like me, are just wondering <laughs> what else it is that you know that you won't tell us. It's tough being sullied, right? <laughs> I would probably know. even I would love more to be difficult sullied. being unsullied. If I could trade places with you right now. Speaking from uh, more of an unsullied perspective, you mentioned just before how we don't really know what direction the story is going to go in, and I'm in the same boat. Right. I, I don't know ultimately what Daenerys is going to decide to do with Jorah. I don't, under, I don't know what she's going to ultimately decide to do with Tyrion. It, it would seem to me at first that Jorah is going to have to prove himself uh, worthy. And that may mean that both his and Tyrion's heads are on the line uh, if he fails to do so. And beyond that, Beyond where we know Daenerys is now in Marine, she had a little bit of a preliminary uh, bout there with Jorah Tiny. fighting and and proving himself worthy to fight in the major pit. Uh, it, you know, it, it seems like she's setting herself up to be in Marine for the foreseeable future, especially knowing that uh, Hisdarzo Lorak uh, seems to uh, have taken. A liking to her, she's taking a somewhat liking to him. I don't know if she really cares that politics. much for him. Yeah, the politics of it all. So she's settling down. She's getting married uh, to one of the the well known families in Marine, and she's reopening the fighting pits. And that would mean to me that I don't know when she's going to plan to to head back to Westeros. She seems to be setting herself up there for the foreseeable future. I think it's time that we watch this scene together. I want to fill this moment between us. Let's do it. Sitting through the great games will be bad enough. For generations, in the days leading up to the, the great, great games, games. it has been customary. Is that like the Olympics? The I think so. You know that it's definitely going to increase the local economy in Marine, which is good for everyone. Oh, this guy. <laughs> oh, God, it's the queen. Your grace. Your future grace. He reminds me a bit of Mace. Your future grace. He's got the same sort of attitude. Well, he's in front of royalty. The fucking queen. It's 
the fucking I queen. I for your glory. Your glorious queen. We fight and die for your glory. <laughs> I just retweeted something about his Khaleesi senses going off. Yeah. His little Khaleesi monitor just started going wild. Haywire. He's like, oh, God. And he skipped right to the uh, gate did skip. <laughs> Just the look on his face. Yeah. I've got to give Ian Glenn some props. Absolutely. Man. He's like a kid at a candy shop. This is brutal. Right now. Fountain soda. Mm. Code red. Yep. And... Here he comes. Jorah. What are you doing? And this is such a great scene coming up. That's gonna work. This guy was flail. Oh, perfect. Exactly. And battered. No gold. <laughs> it's Mord of the East. Yes. <laughs> that nod. It's been too long since we've had a Jorah. This Khaleesi. moment reminded me a lot of uh, the tourney they held back in King's Landing. Reminds me of Gladiator. Get him out of my sight. Ouch. Khaleesi, please. I just need a moment of your time. I brought you a gift. It's true. He has. Uh. <laughs> Who are you? I am the gift. This is almost too hard to watch. I love it. It's a pleasure to meet you, Your Grace. My name is Tyrion Lannister. Does it give you goosebumps? It does. This moment hasn't occurred for you and the books so far. So no. To you and all of the sullied at home, how does it make you feel? It's one of those moments where you have two of the most important characters in the series meet each other. And the fact that you've been with both of these characters really through the first five books and they've been on this on separate journeys, but finally they're getting to the point where they cross paths. And I think once you learned that Tyrion was headed uh, to Pentos and he makes his travels to all different parts of the East before finally making his way to Marine. You're, you're just similar to how you want Danny after moving through all these slaver cities to finally make her way West yeah. with Tyrion and his journey and, and all that he encounters. And I'll keep it vague. You, you want him to finally cross paths with Daenerys. And now here you are seven episodes into the fifth season yeah, and it's finally happened. And for a book reader, I think you just you know it's coming at some point unless George R. R. Martin goes in a completely different direction, uh, which I doubt that he will because he's established these characters in this area for a reason that they're, eventually their paths will cross again. And I'm I'm sure it may happen under similar circumstances, uh, maybe not exactly the same, knowing you know what happens with Daenerys. But at some point, these characters are going to 
cross paths on the page and you know the fact that you have already seen it in the show i don't i don't think it necessarily makes you feel it doesn't cheapen it at all I, i'm i'm sure maybe some people feel that way but the circumstances will certainly be different yeah and and i think it goes back to having to treat the book and the show as two different entities but i'm just happy that these characters have finally crossed paths yeah. because you know Tyrion and his wit, and Danny has a bit of wit to her as well. She's Definitely. extremely intelligent, and you're pairing these two characters together. And we spoke earlier, you don't necessarily know what the future holds and, and what direction their storyline is going to go in, but I think that's some of the fun, and I'm sure we're going to get a lot of interesting interactions. Tyrion has a way of endearing himself to people, uh, and I'm interested to see how he's going to do that. I'm actually... You know, for as much as uh, he will interact with Danny, I'm sure he's going to have a few good lines to hand to Dario as well. Definitely. Uh, so that's going to be something fun to look forward to. And it's unfortunate that um, Barristan Selmy is no longer around. I know. Because I would have loved to have seen the two of them uh, interact with each other. They're, they're both, in a way, you know, outcasts of King's Landing. And they're both, well, well, Barristan, obviously, well-respected. Tyrion definitely not well respected no. but just the two of them together you know i think they would be able to find mutual grounds to uh to work together on i i love that you that you pointed out so much of the of the lighthearted nature that we're going to be able to take from this because obviously to everyone listening we we understand the implications of Tyrion possibly joining up with Daenerys's cause and we can only hope that something like that a union in this matter will actually happen i can't think of where it will go because i didn't assume that it would go in this direction so clearly george r, r. martin has has chosen a path that is thought-provoking in a sense that these two characters who have been so far removed are no longer removed apart from like i said apart from the the overarching what will come of this union i'm simply looking forward to the back and forth and like you said, his conversations with Dario and perhaps how he'll treat his Dar if they have those moments. And I'm disappointed to know that there's mm. only a few episodes left and to know. And so I hope that this isn't something that is situational. I hope that that, you know, it's what direction is being led from this point forward. And if that's truly the case, if Daenerys from this point forward is going to be involved with Tyrion Lannister, this is going to make for a very interesting show. And I will only be more annoyed when we get less time with these characters because they'll be together. So we won't be hopping from a Daenerys scene to possibly a Tyrion scene. Like it, it feels so much like the chapters are spaced in the books, which I think is such an interesting way that the show has been created. And uh, the, this season particularly has done a, a really great job of, of creating that sort of empty feeling that I've heard is reflected between the most recent two books. So I'm just, I, I, it, I think that you, you mentioned earlier the way the episode uh ended wasn't necessarily on this moment and it could have easily been this way and, and left a really powerful impact wondering what was going to happen between these characters heading into episode eight. But I think that we're all anticipating seeing these characters in this next episode because it's really uncharted yeah, water. It, definitely. It's, it's not something that we know from the book. This is how it's going to play itself out or maybe it doesn't follow the book exactly, but we know the general plot line. I think there are certain events that are going to take place that we know that Daenerys is a part of that now Jorah and Tyrion are going to be a part of as well, which is a bit different, but uh, I want to know 
And I guess I'll find out in a couple of weeks how that <laughs> is going to play itself out. But what I really love about this now is because we don't have the winds of winter. Continue that thought. <laughs> everybody can can dry their eyes after I said that and uh, right. rub their hands after pounding the desk or whatever the nearest uh, object was because we still don't have the winds of winter. But it puts us all in a position where we're going to be on the exact same plane because we're going to head into season six with really not much more knowledge than the unsullied for those of us who have read the books. Yes. And I think that puts everybody in a really unique position to enjoy the show, like enjoy what's being created because we don't necessarily know how much it's going to align itself with future books. We know that it's, you know, really up to David and Dan to tell the story, how they see fit as long as they get to the end game that George R. R. Martin has created and already knows. And I think that it's exciting. You know, it takes me back to season one when I hadn't read the books and I see things happen like Bran being thrown out a window or Ned <laughs> being beheaded at Baylor. And, and, you know, you have this very raw emotion as you watch the show because you become invested in these characters. Well, that's definitely the case. I, I don't know that two characters meeting and the way that they've met has been, I don't know, echoed in another story. The satisfaction listener Jared Kozal illustrated in his tweet is completely 100% accurate. I do feel like not knowing that this future was going to happen, still it, it having lasted for these five seasons, uh, has made it a very satisfying slow burn. Mm-hmm. Built around a lighthearted, even though this is a fighting pit, even though there's violent deaths happening directly in front of us, the use of humor before the scene with the master, <laughs> the very jovial master that we got to meet earlier in the fighter auction who went ahead and, okay, he's funny. I'll buy him and threw Tyrion the money and threw Jorah the money. Uh, it's It, it creates a, a completely different environment than what we're seeing. Even though we're seeing people literally kill each other, we've seen fighting pits and other kinds of fiction and it's never felt like this before. And while we're while we're feeling that, I just think it's really interesting writing because while we're, while we're feeling that, we're also feeling the overarching anticipation from Daenerys just being there and Tyrion and Jorah at the beginning being so nearby to where she is. And then obviously that takes up to a completely different level when Jorah actually steps into the pit. And we're not fearing for his life, not because we know that he's a better fighter, but because that entire time it's happening, we're kind of like Daenerys in that sense. We were looking at the pits going like what's happening i am intrigued so i felt like she sort of mirrored our anticipation and our intrigue in that moment and obviously Tyrion doing all that he can and breaking out and this is just after all the humor happened and i'm I'm sort of going through this in my head live so forgive me for the stream of consciousness but it's just it was a, a puzzle that that led to this singular moment that was devoid of any emotion there was no meaning given to us it was an empty slate meant for us to fill it in whichever way possible so casual viewers may think oh this will be kind of fun or this will be kind of funny because funny Tyrion, who's been kind of drunk this entire season is now going to be with someone that they they only refer to as khaleesi whereas on the other hand listeners of game of bones and and us who are making the show we can sort of sit back and think of oh my gosh Think about the political implications that this is going to mean because we know that Tyrion has shown his stuff in different ways when it comes to using his mind to lead people. Oh, absolutely. How cool would that be if he was able to 
use some of that prowess and pass along some some help to Daenerys because she's obviously now with Barrison being gone. She could use some counsel. Yeah. It's just cool. It was a blank slate, I feel. We were able to to pull a lot of different feelings from that. And uh, it was all made possible by what has led up into its moment. Yeah. And, and you talked about Tyrion's prowess. I think you, you see it in full force in that scene that precedes the fighting pit, which is the auction. Another moment where seemingly these characters are going to be split up in the previous episode, he was going to have his throat slit and then, you know, mentions and talks of a cock merchant can push things in the proper direction. But again, in this episode, yeah, in pretty epic fashion too, which you could only expect from Tyrion, but that's, that's the one saving grace about him is that he's able to use his mind to get out of these situations. Whereas, you know, it's almost like what he has inside of his head makes up for his lack of height almost, you know, because you hear about how that's always been something that has been used against him, but it, it, you know, it, it it harkens back to that episode in in season one where he, he tells Jon Snow, let me give you some advice, bastard. Never forget what you are. The rest of the world will not Mm. wear it like armor and it can never be used to hurt you. Mm. And, I feel like that's what Tyrion does in in the times where he is almost persecuted for being a dwarf. He uses his mind to get himself out of these situations. And, you know, part of that is because he's seen by so many as kind of, you know, being this funny little guy. But that funny little guy is has more going on in his mind than I think usually 90 percent of the people around him. Certainly in Westeros. Yeah, well, and especially with with dunces like the ones who have captured him here. Yeah. (laughs) Let's watch this scene. Wait! (laughs) You have to buy me as well. Why? We're a team. I'm a great fighter, too. (laughs) (laughs) We're a great team. I love that. It's funny. You He's have funny. to give him that. You have to give him that. This is good. Look at him. It's like just outside the veil. Ugh. I mean, this dude fought in Blackwater. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Tyrion, listen, Tyrion's seen some shit. Everyone. I love how the dude is just squatting there. He's staring at. Well, he's someone's property. He's master's property. And I like how this, the slaver's like, look at him. Yeah. Huh? All right. Okay. It's funny. He is funny after all. (laughs) (laughs) I love this character. Thank you, my lord. The lighthearted nature prevails, and what could be a very dramatic moment, these two characters being split up from one another, Tyrion again saves the day. And uh, I don't know, our expectations for what this guy can do, especially after this season, I think are... They may be high to uh, to a fault because we, we we kind of got to see a lot of that happened in a clash of kings do you remember how successful his his plans were and then obviously we didn't see the same thing happen in the story following up until this point really because he was in chains or or being persecuted or being thrown underneath his father's boot for such a long time and even though he's in chains now I feel like he's so much more in control of his destiny than following those times when he was handed the king in King's Landing. Yeah, I I think that when he was handed the king, he did an amazing job. But 
to your point, almost to a fault. And then once he was thrust into the middle of Blackwater and was almost killed, he became an afterthought and he really fell from power and never was able to reclaim it. He became not sure what to call him, but in his father's eyes, he was just... Well, he went from rescuing and protecting King's Landing against Stannis' troops to being a footnote and not considered exactly. as someone that was worth anything. And and obviously, a lot of that plays into our pride for the character, and it plays into Tyrion's pride for what he's done. But this is this is completely different. We're, like I said, it's almost to a fault that he's made it in the face of all this danger. Let's not forget that he was just visiting the ruins of Valyria. Let's not forget that they were captured by slavers and then sold and still are together. Let's also not forget that they were just introduced to a lower fighting pit and now they are successfully in front of Daenerys. Now it could be the mechanic of storytelling and the way television needs to flow, but I don't think that this was just haphazardly put in. And it just leads me to believe that his future with Daenerys, whether it's her cause or an outside cause that's happening inside of Marine, because we can't forget about the Sons of the Harpy. We can't forget about everything that's happening there. I know it feels safe at the moment. I just don't think that his station is going to go into the next season and be okay, because there's been too much okay. Too much okay, but at the same time, think of everything that he's gone through. Yeah. It's amazing that he's still alive. The oh, fact that's that what I mean, yeah. The water and didn't get grayscale and drowned to death by yeah. stone men mm-hmm. and didn't die at the battle of Blackwater and didn't get thrown out of the moon door at, at, at the veil. You know, all of these things that he's come up against, he still is able to walk away. And I don't know if it's, it's his luck. If it's just that it's important. He's to, smart. He's yeah. smart enough to get out of these situations. I mean, think about it. If Braun loses that fight, he's dead. Yeah. And that changes the entire course of the story, not having somebody like Tyrion Lannister in it. But we know that he's George's favorite character to write, and that hopefully bodes well for him for the future. But I really liked what you said. It's almost like he is safer in 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 chains in a city like Marine, and and well now being out of those chains in front of Daenerys, but. When he was in King's Landing, I feel like we were always worried for his life. Well, he was on we trial. Know. You know, he was yeah, going to be executed. There's so many things that that's another example of something he walked away from and from killing his father. So it, you, you always felt like there was this cloud hanging over him. But now that he is finally escaped, he's in the East. It's kind of similar to Arya, too. Like You always felt that there was something some perilous situation that she was going to get herself into, whether it was when she was outside of uh, the Sept of Baylor or when she was traveling with Yorin or when she finally made her way to the Red Wedding. But now that she's in the East, despite whatever weird things are going on in the House of Black and White, you feel that she's a bit safer. And I think now with Tyrion being in the presence of Danny, you feel that he's safe, at least for the time being. Yeah. Yeah, well, because we trust Daenerys in a way. But again, I don't think that the variables we are to be afraid of are necessarily by her design. So I'll be interested to see how it progresses. You have to be afraid of those Sons of the Harpy. If you look through the history of of this series, even somebody like Jorah early on was passing messages back to 
Varys and 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 through him to King Robert. So mm-hmm. the level of trust that you can place on people uh, oftentimes is misguided. So we don't really know who somebody like his Darzo Lorak is or Dario is. They seem nice enough on the surface, but what's really going on behind closed doors, we don't know. Thinking about where we are, like you said, with Arya in the House of Black and White and with Tyrion now literally in the dirt in front of Daenerys Targaryen, it makes me, I feel a bit nostalgic for all that we've been through. I think of the travels, not only in the show, but also through our readings with Arya and the Brotherhood Without Banners, and how I kind of miss those days, and how simple things were, even though they were perilous and not simple at all, but compared to the kind of future that we've found ourselves in, Cersei is now in prison, Marjorie is now in prison, Tommen is the king, Arya is on the verge of losing her identity to become that kind of person. I don't even need to say Become it. someone else. Tyrion is in front of Daenerys, Sansa... Is back in Winterfell. But probably would want to be anywhere else. Married to Ramsay Bolton. When Ramsay was introduced, if someone would have said, he's going to marry Sansa, I would have been like, that needs to go into the the fan fiction bucket. (laughs) I can tell you that that's not something that I've been holding on to since season one (laughs) or or when we started this podcast and failed to tell you because it's definitely a departure from what we know the story to be in the books. Well, it's it's definitely an, an, an interesting unlikely development absolutely that being said it's very satisfying to see Sansa tell Theon in a scene you betrayed my family I feel like this is a bit of a cathartic release for us something that we've been wanting to see for a long time because it was very hard to witness the burning of Rob's letter and then the subsequent actions he took to prove himself to his family obviously this has been a game that has been guided from many different directions including Theon's, and this is another one of those moments where we're able to feel something that we haven't felt for a very long time, which is two characters meeting one another, which happened previously in this season, Sansa and Theon having a conversation, sort of. We haven't felt a private moment between them since the kennels. Well, and, and this is the first moment that the two of them actually are speaking, at least that we've seen since... Frankly. ...the wedding night. And it's clear that more happened to Sansa or more has happened in the days since then with... Well, she does mention that Ramsay comes and visits her every night. So I'm assuming that it's a collection of days afterward. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so clearly he's, he's not only having his way with her, um, you know, he's also physically um, abusing her as well. And there, there are clear marks to demonstrate that. And... It just is, it, it continues to unfortunately demonstrate the type of character that Ramsey is and that he's unrelenting and he he won't stop until somebody stops him. I suppose now we can take this time to watch, watch this exchange between Sansa and Theon. What did he do to you? Please. You betrayed my family. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Help me. Help me! See us. You don't know him. My family still has friends in the north. All I need to do is give a signal and they'll rescue me. Climb to the top of the broken tower. Light this candle and put it in the window. Promise me, Theon. Read! My name is Reed. Your name is Theon Greyjoy. 
last surviving son of Balon Greyjoy, Lord of the Iron Islands. Do you hear me? Theon, promise me. <laughs> well, I definitely don't think that he was expecting to find Ramsay in the tower, and I think that if he hadn't been there, that certainly he would have lit the candle. And Sansa is breaking through to Theon, and it's unfortunate that in this episode, Reek had to reemerge because of his encounter with Ramsay in the tower. But I, I wonder, what was Ramsay even doing up in the tower? Did he know that there was going to be an attempt by somebody? I don't know. See, that's a tough call. It really is because, or does he just like to hang out in weird the places at dinner? I don't know. See, I don't know yet. This is—it's really interesting. I like, like, I feel like Theon would would have a pretty good idea of where Ramsay is at all times because he's serving him, and I think that he would be re- required to be nearby. So it's it's tough to say if this was. A surprise, or just coincidence, or coincidence. If this was a surprise, or if Theon, you know, knew that he was going to be there, and to us, it sort of looks like he was like, it's confusing to us still because we don't. It's not clear because I don't think he's punished. Can you imagine if he had gone up there with the candle, with the means to light it, and Ramsay knew better, and then saw that he was, I guess, attempting to subvert him? What kind of punishment he would get for it for oh, so actual are- subversion? Are you thinking that when he walks up, he's not actually walking into the tower? He's walking into wherever Ramsay normally keeps his residence? I mean, I think so. Although the spiral fits the spire, and we get the the look of Brienne afterward, which connects to it. So it's all, it's trickery. It could be trickery on the part, just misdirection, or it could be that, you know, there's, see, that's interesting. There's several different conclusions there, and they all mean a different thing. But I think that... Mm -hmm. It's important that we use the evidence. I, d- I don't believe that Theon was punished. And, and if he was, it, it certainly wasn't to the level that he should be punished. I feel like that is something for Ramsay that would be punishable by death, as if he was going to actually subvert him and and give a signal to people to rescue oh, Sansa. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, and, and I think later on in the episode, we get a little bit more context when he's talking with Sansa, and it's mentioned that... He got this information from Theon and then turned around and went to the person who was most responsible for you know, telling Sansa how she could try and get help. So there's no way that he would have been able to it, – it's just from a timing standpoint, it doesn't work out. So that's what leads me to believe that Theon slash Reek went directly to Ramsay right. to give him the information yeah. and then – Ramsay turned around, flayed this poor old woman, and then brought Sansa to him. I, I don't think Theon actually went up to that tower. I, I, I agree with you. I think it was probably some misdirection. So Really well done. Absolutely. And, and despite Sansa's um, attempts, I mean, I think she's making headway, but she hasn't gotten to the point where you know, she's been able to fully get through to him, to, to break him of reek, and he still feels subservient to Ramsay, and and unfortunately, we don't know yet, and, and we probably don't want to know what the ramifications for what Sansa was trying to do are going to be. It's just a tough call because it's easy to say if Theon wouldn't go with his sister, his blood, who was trying to rescue him, not ask him to do a favor for her, 
but trying to rescue him from the peril that he's in. I mean, he was sleeping in a dog kennel. And for him to turn that down, it's it's like, well, of course he's not going to just do a favor for Sansa because clearly he's not even interested in his own self. And he's this subservient to Ramsay, even further with all the time that's passed. We shouldn't have expected it to be a, an actual occasion. But the, but the flip side of that is he was deeper and closer and nearer to all of the physical abuse and to the removal of his manhood at that time when Yara came to rescue him. And also they were at the Dread Fort, which is Bolton HQ, Bolton people surrounding. Maybe what was racing through his mind was that obviously it wasn't. I mean, we, we learned that he thought it was kind of a prank, essentially like a test. But even let's say it wasn't a test, maybe the likelihood of them escaping would have been nil. So he, there's lots of reasons why he would have turned that down. And I don't want to get into discussion of that because we, we talked about that last year, obviously. But using supporting clues, I just think it's important to, to think about. I know that he's seen and gone through a lot regarding Sansa and Ramsey, but I don't think it's enough to snap him out of being reek there's, after all that we've seen. The other thing is, I, I think his re-evolution into Theon, it, it's going to take time. It's not something that's just going to happen in in one episode. We're going to have to have these moments where he's tested and where Sansa is trying to break through to him to bring him back to the person that we knew prior to this. And I think that there will eventually be a tipping point. Something is going to happen that is going to lead to Reek becoming Theon again. And I hope that it results in something bad for the Boltons, but uh, we don't know. It, it's all up to theorizing at this point. But or it couldn't, you know, or he could just be punished no, by Ramsay right. and be killed. Yeah, you're right. It, it, maybe it's a failed attempt, but I, but I feel like going back to what you were talking about earlier, if, if Theon would have or. or Reek would have gone up to that tower. He would have been punished for it. Uh, and if that was in fact where Ramsey was eating when he, when he opened the door, yeah, I don't think that's the case. Just yeah. He, so he that's what I was trying to remember yeah. earlier. Like I was trying to remember yeah. the point I was going to make, and that that's what it was. Like he would have suffered at the hands of Ramsey for going and and taking this candle and 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 lighting it and trying to, you know. Let the mem- let those of the north know that that there was trouble. But uh, seeing as how he looks to be in pretty good shape, and I know we're going to watch that scene in a second, as good of shape as one could be in, uh, given given his condition. But uh, if if that were the case, he would he would have suffered massively at the hands of Ramsay for what what he was going to do. So I just think he took the candle, said, "Hey." Master, mm-hmm. this is what Sans is up to, <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, now uh, I don't think that bodes too well for Sansa getting out of out of that room anytime soon. Well, I'd like to know how you feel about Sansa's reaction to all that's happening to her. I feel that, especially after the end of the last season, her gaining so much of this power in our minds and the way that she handled herself around Littlefinger in the beginning of this season and her bravery of even entering Winterfell and entering this marriage willingly with Ramsay Snow. I know that she's gone through a lot as she's been there, but I feel like this has just been a, a massive black and white change from her her path to 
now being in a scene, and it could be misdirection on her part. She could be pretending for Theon's sake just to get him to shift. Absolutely. But she, she needs an ally. I don't know. I'm not sure if it's fake. I'm not sure if she's acting or if she, the way she's been written is that she, after all of that, she will now, okay, Theon. At one point, she didn't want to even look at him or speak to him, but now she's asking him for help and giving him a pep talk. It's just, it's curious, and I'm 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 confused as to what to believe with Sansa. Yeah, it it's hard because she could be playing some sort of game on her end, but at the same time, she could just be reaching out, trying to find somebody that she can get through to somebody that she can trust. And despite everything that Theon has done in the past, it's still somebody that she has history with somebody. She has a connection to. So she has to try no matter how hard it might be to get him on her side, because in order to get to some safe haven or to take down the Boltons, she's going to need help. And right now Theon is that only hope. Right, but does she want to leave? Because she had tried, she chose to go there. So, so does does she want Theon to light a candle? Does she want to be rescued? To those of you listening at home, write into us and tell us what you think. I know we have a few days until the next episode, and maybe there will be some developments that will answer these questions, and maybe we won't see it until the end of this season. We could see Sansa just give a really hard look into the camera that will say, I've been pretending to be battered this entire latter part of the season and look at me now she wasn't a hundred percent fine with going to winterfell remember that moment between her and baelish outside of uh moat caitlin and Mm -hmm. you know he he basically shook her and said avenge them and maybe she does still want to remain in winterfell but i certainly don't think it's with the boltons in power no I, i think she wants winterfell for herself uh, somewhere deep down inside to reclaim it for her family. And right now, the only person that really can provide that for her is Stannis. She's been told now by Ramsay that Stannis is on his way, which was a great development. And I'm, I'm glad just to hear these conversations take place. It's wonderful. I know we spoke about in the last episode to see the snow connecting these scenes. The snow definitely does uh, set the the tone of, of each of the scenes. And I, I agree. I like the way that it ties everything together. And uh, you know, the scene in particular between Sansa and Ramsay when she's called to him and, you know, he talks to her about a number of things and then ultimately reveals what happened with Theon, Reek, and, and the woman who was trying to help her. It's an extremely powerful moment. So uh, let's take a look at that scene right now. Right now. It's a great hood. <laughs> it reminds me of Melisandre a bit. He doesn't look pleased. And then... Hello. My beautiful wife. He looks so small compared to her. When my father told me we were marrying, I half expected a fat, bearded beast. <laughs> oh, poor Walter. Do you know how pleased I was when I saw you? You've made me very happy. Kind of reminds me of Littlefinger. Our scouts report that Stannis Baratheon rides for Winterfell. He's a respected commander. Now, what was that that she picked up? His troops are loyal. It almost looked like a corpse. Thousands of foreign swords to bolster his army. But this storm is a stroke of luck for us Northerners. Our people are used to fighting in the frost. 
His army is out there now, suffering in the snow. I hear him sp speaking, and I One day I'll be Lord of Winterfell and Warden of the North. You will be my lady and Wardeness. This set is pretty amazing. It is. But isn't your stepmother pregnant? What of it? What happens if she has a boy? Then I'll have a baby brother. But he'll be the heir. I'm Lord Bolton's eldest son. But you're a bastard. A trueborn will always have a <laughs> I've been naturalized by a royal decree from Tom and Baratheon. Another bastard. She really knows how to turn the screws. Oh, yeah. Bastards can rise high in the world. See, she doesn't look too... Like your half-brother. Afraid right now. Born the bastard of Winterfell. Now the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. <sighs> he didn't know. Yes, he's done very well for himself. Oh. I nearly forgot why I asked you to join me. Come, my lady. He does such a good job. Almost like split personalities. Theatrics. Yeah. Your northern first lady. Rick told me he wanted to leave. And the candle. Why? And the Theon. Winterfell is your home, and I am your husband. Snow Theon. Mm -hmm. Tough old bird. Ah. Everyone talks when I start peeling them. But this one. Her heart gave out before I even got to her face. That's rough. We do breathe them tough. In the north. Well, you can see how visibly shaken Sansa is. Bring my yes. wife Theon looks chamber. shaken too. Oh, definitely. Well, it's I mean, too cold out here for it could be because he was smacked around. You should hold on to your candles. The nights are so long now. For what he did to Sansa. There's another threat. The nights are so long now. Well, she does have a uh, weapon. Of yes. sorts. Ah. Yeah, it's like we said earlier, we don't know now, given everything that's happened, what awaits Sansa in terms of punishment, if there's going to be any. And obviously she's been through so much already, it's unfathomable to really think that the situation could get worse for her. But even in that exchange she had with Theon, he does tell her it can get worse. So uh, hopefully somebody or something is able to intervene to put an end to to Ramsey cuz quite frankly I've had enough of him. <laughs> well I I after seeing that scene again and obviously we've watched the episodes a few times uh this week leading up to our our conversation and recording of this episode but after seeing the way she handled Ramsey so expertly um to echo the things I said before I feel like all of this is just Sansa playing a very strong game. I don't think that she was making a real advance toward Theon in that way. Uh, I think that it was all strategy. I think that she abhors Theon for what he's done. I don't think that she's quickly going to forgive him uh, or even slowly forgive him for that matter. And so I think it would have taken a certain kind of uh, approval or not approval, but even a bit of a personal forgiveness for her to treat him like she did in that scene. And now again, seeing how, she reacted with Ramsey coming off of the things she complained about with Theon to act that way to the person that is giving her this horrible, horrible treatment, sort of just asking for more in a sense from someone like him, like he threatens her at the end. Um, it's clear that there's a lot going on there. 
You know, it's deep. This is deep uh, character progression. I like it. It's very cool. Speaking of cool, I think we need some Owens to warm us up <laughs> after uh, <laughs> that sequence of events. Okay. I'm feeling a little chilly, and right. I know that uh, you have the satchel. I do. Um, we can get the fire crackling. This past Sunday night, you, the listening who arrived in grand fashion after the airing of this episode, have poured in and have... For for what I've seen, made a great use of our time and our platforms of speaking with one another. I've seen an amazing amount of owns fall in, which has enriched the conversation. I've seen friends be made. I've seen new listeners join up this week. Just in general, it's been uh, a very fun occasion, all sprouting from what happened the other evening. So before we get over to the uh, crackling fire slash barbecue, uh, we do have a number of emails that we got with owns for this week and uh you know we can't burn them they're a little bit too big to uh, place on the fire we gotta we have to actually have to use them as kindling so we have to go through and read them first and then uh we can start pulling the owns out of the satchel from twitter and facebook but the first email this week came from paulo may and uh she says my own for the episode goes to lena hetty I have watched that scene with her and Tommen at least five times and shed a tear every single time. She has been incredible all season, but this episode she was untouchable. The way her face goes through every emotion of an insecure ruler and an anxious mother is truly applause worthy. If she doesn't get an Emmy nod this year, I don't know what will. By the way, I read a question on the internet the other day that really got me thinking. Instead of all this business of burning Shireen... Why can't Stannis and Melisandre produce a couple of shadow babies for the Boltons? Hmm. Easy peasy, eh? Yeah. Keep up the great work, guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, that would solve all of our problems. It would be great. Absolutely. I could use a few shadow babies to help me produce this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Based on uh, the the last uh, time this was attempted, I don't think Stannis had enough fuel in the tank from from what I remember, right? He just – it basically – consumed him like he was he was becoming detached and you know and, and it's a, from what i remember is a conversation between uh, melisandre and davos right and she tries to uh get him to uh get freaky and right. he doesn't want any of it and uh it could be a an easy solution if stannis was up for it he he did grab a little booty on the last episode columbia would love to hire the help of a few shadow babies for the reading of our next email. Thank you for yours. My very first own goes to Sansa Stark of Winterfell. This email is from Ellen Smith. To the casual observer, she might still appear as the victim in the gift, the helpless damsel in distress, locked away in a tower and waiting for someone else to rescue her. For the uber-obsessive, however, we cheered as Sansa nabbed that small auger right under Ramsay's nose just as he's bragging about stopping her two would-be rescuers. Sansa's caressing the key to rescuing herself. I like this. Ellen's on the same page as you. See, these conversations for the podcast, you know, we kind of save a lot of our feeling uh, to discover these things in the moment so you can share in that discovery with us. But I'm, I'm glad to know that it's not too far off from the mark. And yes, I would consider myself one of the uber obsessive. Yeah, and uh, thanks to Ellen for sending in your first own. We always uh, very cool. Enjoy reading those. Got another one here, another first time owner from uh, Anamesh from Bangalore, India. 
They Hello. say, I recently started listening to your podcast, and since then I have been eagerly waiting for every one episode you release. My first own is this. It goes to Ghost for scaring the shit out of the night guards, <laughs> and me too. It's always a pleasure to hear you guys. Your website is awesome. Eagerly <laughs> awaiting your response on this episode. Thank you. Yeah. I completely agree. Good to hear from listeners all the way in India. That's pretty cool. Very cool. And I would also like to say, Animesh, that you were scared. I was troubled. My dog was cheering. He was howling. Our next email from an ape. Or ape. (laughs) 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 From an ape, Issa. He says, I was very tempted to give my own. I was very tempted to give my own to Tyrion for beating up his slaver. However... It must go to Daenerys for excelling at holding a grudge. Even his no-kill pit fighting couldn't make up for it. Also, I sent True. you guys an email previously saying one of you sounded a lot like D.B. Weiss, but I didn't know who. It's Micah. Seriously, listen to him speak and then watch a Weiss interview. I am not completely crazy. Micah, thoughts? So uh, I guess it's time to come clean, right? <sighs> I mean, if we ever have him on the show, we're never going to know who's speaking. That's true. That would be a problem. Crazy. That would definitely be a problem. And uh, one more email here from Amelie, who uh, lets us know that it is her first own as well. So this is is really cool. (laughs) I'm uh, I'm enjoying this. And it's all the way from Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. India, Puerto Rico. This is a pretty pretty serious uh, ownage going on. She says, hola. So many awesome owns, guys, but my favorite goosebump-inducing one is for Sam and his very emotional last words for Maester Aemon. He was the blood of the dragon, but now his fire has gone out and his watch has ended. Yeah. May the gods, old and new, guide him to the eternal light. Very, very solid own. I'm excited to see these first owns. High five. uh, They were a good range of owns, not, not all focusing on the same thing and... You know, I was I was rewatching the episode yesterday, and just uh, I feel like Maester Aemon got the send off that that he deserved, and you know, it, it it's very hard to say that about characters in the series because they're so often taken from us so quickly and without any real notice. <coughs> Cough <And> some <laughs> that uh, comes to mind. Emails have been read, and now it is time to properly begin. What some of you may deem as your very favorite segment that we dive into each week. Let the ownage begin. <laughs> In five, four, three, two, one. I'm sorry about the locale. No, you're not. Crystal Smith Murphy on Facebook. Maester Amon's funeral owned my tears. I haven't bawled like that in months. That was a tough one. Stephanie Font, not Bankster. Egg. I dreamed that I was old. At huge underscore Daytona on Twitter says, Own goes to David and Dan for including Egg. I dreamt that I was old. Hashtag RIP Mr. Eamon. Very, very sad. Simon Amundsen writes, Eamon Owens for getting the most dignified death in Game of Thrones history from plain old age and with a smile on his face. When has this happened before? Is this a moral of the story? The very thing everybody fights and dies horribly for, the Iron Throne, is something he was offered and turned it down for the good of the realm. Hashtag, I dreamed I was old. Simon, we can always count on him for the uh, well-thought-through. He was a very strong man, Maester Eamon. Elsie Benson says, 
one goes to Sam for using the, quote, tire them out beating me tactic <laughs> to win the fight with the Night Watch bullies. Sam the Lover. Ricky Young on Twitter. Own the ghost for acting in his mastered stead. <laughs> Hashtag, I'll be dire for you. That sounds like a Valentine's Day card. Like a Game of Thrones Valentine's uh-huh. card. I agree. Jackie Ruth tweeted in, Ghost just owned those creeps at the wall. Hashtag, man's best friend. Amber Lalone Grimm, ghost owns Sam and Gilly's attacker. Good dog. Lots of love for ghosts. Well, I mean, where the hell's he been? <laughs> Just hanging out, not heading with John, that's for sure. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Should mm-hmm. you with John? I think so. Jamie Fletcher, my own ghost to Sam and Gilly for their new movie, Westeros Pie. <laughs> now all we need is Eugene Levy as Randall Tarley. <laughs> Hashtag season six casting. <laughs> nice one there, Jamie. Jennifer Anderson Khan, own ghost to ghosts cameo. The bar broke out in cheers as if their home team just scored. Now, go find John. <laughs> <laughs> Names to comment tweeted in, is it legal in Westeros for a direwolf to own so much at this point? Ghost has my own. Uh, yes, it is. We don't. We haven't seen many direwolves recently, so uh, it's not only legal; it's preferred. It is it's preferred. encouraged. Laura Mutton. Sam got slayed by Gilly. Hashtag Pop goes Jerry. Hashtag <laughs> Sam the Man. Also, the Queen of Thorns for the shagging some perfumed pots line. Brilliant. Hashtag No fucks given. <laughs> Uh, Alexander Murphy, my own, definitely goes to Sam for taking some nasty hits like a man. Definitely earned himself a pumper. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Steffers, my own goes to the bro hug between John and Sam. That reminds me of the bro hug between Rob and John the last time they saw each other. Uh, We know how that ended. Very sweet. Uh, Anthony Runyon, own goes to Gilly for making Sam quote George Takai. Oh my. Oh my. Margo, Gilly owns Sam's virginity. Hashtag go Gilly. Nothing in the vows technically forbids intimate relations with women. Hashtag Sam the Slayer. That's a very good point. <laughs> Alicia Lesperance. My own goes to B&D for introducing my two favorite characters to each other. I think she meant D&D. D&D. But B&D works too. <laughs> uh, hashtag and who are you? Hashtag east, east meets west. Hashtag the dragon and the lion. Season 6, episode 2. Andrew Fold writes, My own goes to Karma. Jorah in chains and Cersei in a cell. Hashtag paybacks a bitch. Denise Aitchison? Own to Jorah. Hashtag when a man loves a woman. If only Eric were here to sing it. Oysen he would. Doyle, he totally would. My own goes to Mord's <laughs> cousin, or brother, for setting Tyrion free and for apparently being a nod to strong Bellwass. Hmm. Hashtag... Uterail MVP. Dylan Johnson on Facebook. Owen has to go to, quote, My name is Tyrion Lannister. They've been laying groundwork for this moment since the very beginning, having all the mixed emotions about the show getting there. Nevertheless, here we are. Major. Hashtag Tyneris. <laughs> Hashtag what will Drogon think? Snack. And a side-own goes to General Olena Badassery. Not a bad side-own. Stephanie Flores writes, My friend's own goes to Tyrion for going full lion and beating the seven hells out of that whipping boy with his own chains. Yeah, that poor kid. Poor kid. Kayla High, my own goes to Indiana Jorah for fighting like a boss while having grayscale and for general badassery. When did badassery become a word? I, I welcome this. Uh, hashtag please Khaleesi please Esteban Guayante writes my own of the week goes to Jorah not for any particular reason but just for being a badass as he destroyed the pit fighters he was very strong Chris Adams 
Sansa now owns something she found in the snow. Samantha Parker on Facebook. I hate the Boltons. Hate. But own to Ramsey for showing Sansa what he is capable of and for owning Reek so completely. Vincidius tweeted in own to Sansa for telling Ramsey hard truths. He was legitimized by a false king. Ergo, still a bastard. Steph Nelson, Reek owned Theon this week. Hashtag get some balls, dude. Hashtag oh wait. Easy, Steph. Go easy on Theon. Our good friend Brienne of Tarth at Beauty Brienne on Twitter. My first own goes to the High Septon for being a boss bitch. <laughs> Second goes to Sam and Gilly for consensual brief sex. Oh the my. rest of my owns go to Alfie Allen again and at Fat Pink Mast for simply existing. Sneha Pachimane writes, Own goes to the High Sparrow for that tricky number he pulled on Cersei. Hashtag long live the queen. Hashtag hear me roar in prison. Hashtag uh-huh. how the tables have turned. And Zach's favorite songbird yes. rescue cat. <laughs> <laughs> All the odes to the high sparrow so richly deserved. Raj and Oise Serna writes, go you hateful bitch. Brandon Shatseek. My own goes to Cersei for taking Marjorie's nasty meatloaf leftovers that none of the kids wanted to eat in the first place. I picked at this last night. Who doesn't like meatloaf? Leslie Weber Wagner writes, Own goes to the sound of a slam cell door and the loud clink of the iron lock. Hashtag karma's a bitch, Cersei. Kristen Keyes tweeted in, My own goes to Cersei for finally getting what she deserves. Hashtag, now that's the gift. Reese Palazzolo. Own goes to Tywin Lannister for his advice that echoes from beyond the grave. Anyone that has to say, I am the queen, is no true queen at all. Or king. Peter Vermadel. My own goes to Tommen for channeling his inner Joffrey and wanting to kill the militant. Too bad his mom made him bitch out. <laughs> Santiago Sanchez. The own goes to the High Sparrow for confirming Monty Python's immortal words. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Axe Chucker on Twitter. I haven't even seen the episode yet. I'm sure he's seen it since. But based on the tweets, I'm going to say Cersei basically owned herself. Basically. Basically. Barely. Marlene Montooth writes, Double own goes to the High Sparrow. First, for winning one over Lady Olena. You are the few. We are the many. And when the many stop fearing the few, shrug. And second, of course, for hoisting Cersei on her own scheming petard. Yeah. She was hoisted indeed. <laughs> she was. Almata, mine goes to the High Sparrow for this line. What will we find when we strip away your finery? Outstanding. Courtney MacArthur writes, owned the High Sparrow for finally seeing through Cersei's bullshit. I've been waiting for this since I finished the Feast for Crows. Ah, so excited for the rest of the season. Rob McDonald, the High Sparrow owns Cersei. That dungeon is good enough for the Queen. The same is good enough for the Queen Mother. Nathan Larson, own goes to the High Sparrow for giving it to Cersei like we all have wanted to since season one. Hashtag stripping away her finery. Everybody loves that line. That's a good line. John Davis on Facebook, my own goes to Baelish and Elena for again working together to bring the Lannister down. Uh, Hashtag rat in the dungeon. Thought you ought to know. Shelly Bagchi writes, my own goes to Lancel. Not only did he get back at Cersei for using him, now he'll have no trouble getting into heaven. Or apparently, seventh heaven. (laughs) Who can see the happy faces? Ron Mosca, looking forward to Bron spinoff. Hashtag how I met your mother. (laughs) The Lady Ash, owned to the topless sand snake. 
I would have lost my train of thought too, Braun. Hashtag what a gift. Jeff Tuttle own goes to Tyne Sand for not letting Braun go out like that. Also for finally giving a personality to the Sand Snakes. The combo of sex, life, and death seem to be straight out of the Oberyn Martell handbook. Mm, I want that handbook. Alex Panic writes, own goes to Tyene for recognizing the dulcet tones of Finn and Jerome and <laughs> reacting accordingly. <laughs> hashtag antidote, hashtag full frontal. Oh, boy. <laughs> Holden Droverson, my own goes to Braun for singing his way back to life. <laughs> hashtag tasted the Dornishman's wife. Hashtag lifelocket. Chris Adam 9 on Twitter, my own goes to Tyene Sam for being the sexiest fake murderer of all time. On Facebook, Dan Groth, own to Braun for pulling an Indiana Jones in the cell. <laughs> Anything goes. Hakeem Elijah Braun. <laughs> Look at his Twitter handle. <laughs> at Pope Braun Paul strikes again with incredible names. Own of the episode of Braun for singing a perfectly fitting song for his character and situation. Hashtag <laughs> Elton Braun. Hashtag Braun Iver. Hashtag Brano. Amazing. <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank, thank you, Pope Brown thank you, Paul. Thank you, Pope Brown James Paul. Johnson, my own goes to the Sand Snakes. Medusa-like killer body. And Brown's ability to catch the world's smallest <laughs> no vial shit. or antidote. Hashtag killer tits. Hashtag who's the hottest chicken Doran. <laughs> Hashtag catch that shit like Jerry Rice in the 90s. <laughs> Jane Choi, so many great moments in a relatively quiet episode. Jory getting his mojo back. Gilly making a man out of Sam. Lady Olena scheming with Littlefinger again. Cersei finally getting hers. My first stone goes to Tyene for finally giving a little personality to the Sand Snakes. My second and biggest stone goes to Ghost for preventing a fourth rape from happening, at least for now. Hashtag favorite plot device. Our good friend Roz tweeted in, my own goes to Olena because Olena. Fair enough. Gaio Kokinos on Facebook agrees with simply an image of Keep Calm and Lady Olena Coffee Mug. Amy Calhoun tweeted in my own ghost to Marcella's teenage rebellion against her uncle slash father. Hashtag, you're not leaving this tower in that dress. Hashtag, <laughs> you don't even know me. <laughs> Emily Rugburn writes, my own ghost to Stannis for finally telling that red lady she's gone too far. Yeah, it's about time. It's about damn Jen time. Wyman, own ghost to Stannis. Quote, we march to victory, we march to defeat, but we go forward, always forward. Oh, and to the end of this own segment, we march steadily forward. I'm very, very sorry, but we must go. Finally, Caesar Thompson writes, My own goes to Stannis and Davos's playoff beards. We go forward <laughs> to victory or defeat. And I've tasted the Dornishman's wife. I have. I've tasted the Dornishman's I think, uh, Caesar, that's a great way to uh, end our own segment, uh, talking about playoff beards. <laughs> I don't see. This is what I love about reading these owns is that uh, the listeners playoff get beards. so creative with uh, their owns each and every week, and, and they're always a lot of fun. Oh yeah, to read through, give us some laughs and uh, some tears. Sometimes we laugh yes. so hard. Yes, tears of laughter, tears of, of really just being so proud that a little baby Game of Thrones grew to this point. It's so great to see you all converging in the way that you have. It's good to see new listeners come in. It's really wonderful to get a lot of these first-time owns. Mm -hmm. Continue doing it. Continue making friends. Continue sharing the love between your owns as they're retweeted from our accounts. And uh, participate. The season is almost over. Yeah, it's crazy to think about and, and definitely keep those owns coming tomorrow evening as we... Uh, 
get ready for episode eight. I'm sure that uh, we'll get a ton of uh, creativity coming out of that episode titled Hard Home, right? Hard Home. So uh, as we uh, went through in uh, just the last couple of minutes, there are a number of ways that you can send us your owns. You can tweet at us at Game of Owns on Twitter. You can scroll upon our Facebook wall at facebook.com slash Game of Owns, or you can email us, contact at Game of Owns.com. And again, we would just encourage you. The participation is fun. It makes listening to the podcast just that more enjoyable. And another way that you can participate is by reviewing our show on iTunes, which is most likely the place you downloaded this episode. Uh, all you have to do is head on over there, click on Rate and Review, it is the month of May for at least a day or two longer, so uh, nothing less than five stars is acceptable, uh, especially as we hit the end of season five. But as you've heard uh, you know, at times throughout this episode, people are sending in their owns for the first time. We want others that are interested in Game of Thrones to know that we exist. And really on iTunes, the best way is to have our listeners, you guys, leave your feedback, what you think about the show, and uh, we do appreciate it. We do read the reviews from time to time. Uh, we'll do some more in the coming weeks. Um, and just want to say, you know, thank you guys all for supporting the show. And, uh, you know, we wouldn't be able to do this uh, without you. It's important to mention that this week's first episode, we submitted a challenge for listeners to give us a proper representation of samuel barley first of his grain if you remember it if you do not remember please listen to that episode only for that snippet because it happened and it was hilarious i am proud to report that josh schroeder on twitter and also mike burns through facebook both sent in their representations of who they believe and what they believe samuel barley is they can both be found on our twitter i think that they are both absolutely hilarious high five yeah. well done this is what happens. Creativity. <laughs> no, it's it's really cool to see that kind of stuff, and yeah, just the uh, things that people come up with uh, continue to amaze me. Well, now, Micah, you and I end our our conversation here early on a Saturday. It's been very nice catching up. I hope yeah. that you have a good day. We'll sort. We'll yeah, just leave too. this in the show. I hope that you have a good day, and I hope that uh, tomorrow, as we lead into the new episode, yeah, it seems that. Uh, for at least part of the episode, we will go to a new location in the north, in Hardhome. Who knows what will await us all there? We will find out tomorrow night. Until this upcoming Monday, we'll say goodbye. This is the day your lives actually start to mean something.